Good morning. You know, I, I love this scripture that says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I just thank God that it doesn't say, be strong in the Lord and the power of his law. <laughs> because the law could never strengthen you. It only had the power to condemn you, actually. Uh, the law couldn't even justify you. You could be justified, but it wasn't the law that justified you. It was by you keeping the law. The scripture says the law was put into effect so that every mouth would be stopped before God and the whole world become guilty before him. Why did God want to make people aware of their guilt? Because after Adam ate of the fruit and he sinned because he disobeyed God, after that, man wasn't right anymore. The whole world became guilty. The law was put into effect by God to show man their inability that they weren't like God. When the Lord came down with fire and smoke and thunder and all the children of Israel were so afraid and they told Moses, you talk to him. And they said that we're able to do whatsoever he commands us, which was actually saying that we're just like him. Whatever his expectation is, we're able to do whatever he expects of us. And so he put the law into effect. He gave them commandments and ordinances to preserve life, never to take it. Because when God instituted the law, while he instituted it, he made animal sacrifice. If you know what it's saying, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but he made animal sacrifice because God already knew that man was guilty, unable to keep the expectations that God himself lived by. He wasn't falling apart when man sinned. That's why he gave them a sacrifice that would actually sustain life until Jesus came and paid the price for all of humanity. It says in Romans chapter 6, in that he died, he died once unto sin. But now that he lives, he lives unto God. You died once to sin. You're not dying many times to sin. It's not lamb upon lamb. There was one sacrifice for sin. That sacrifice took place before you were ever born. Once you were born, there's a time where every man has to be born again. And it's what Nicodemus didn't understand. Well, how can I go back into my mother's womb now that I'm old? Nicodemus said now that he's old, his mom was probably already dead. <laughs> How's that going to happen? What's this new birth? And Jesus said, if I've spoken to you of natural things and you haven't understood, how could I speak to you of spiritual? That once you're born again, there is a learning process of growth and you're not expected to be a full-grown adult when you're born from the womb. Nobody says, well, you're going to feed yourself. They expect you to be fully dependent upon your mama. 
the one that birthed you. And when we're children, we're born again, and the dependency should be to receive nutrients from the Father in order to grow. He's never disappointed in our growth process when we make messes. But if you're 18 and your mom's still feeding you, there's a problem, a serious problem. And you say, well, Steve, aren't we always supposed to be dependent upon God? Yes. We are. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Hebrews, starting in chapter 5, starting with verse 12. Now, this is not a rebuke for any of us. Okay? Take it easy. (laughs) For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teaches you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become as people who need milk and cannot have strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What is the meat of the word? It's righteousness. What do we get from righteousness? We get the ability when we've exercised our right with God to discern both good and evil. We have actually our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So when an evil emotion comes, you've been exercising righteousness, so you actually have the ability to discern whether that emotion is of God or if it's of your flesh. But listen to what he says, starting in verse 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, therefore leaving the milk of the word, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and of the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. See, the majority of churches that are preaching in America today are saying that repentance from dead works is the meat of the word. They're saying That faith towards God is the meat of the word. They're actually saying the doctrine of baptism or the laying on of hands or even the resurrection from the dead or that people are going to hell, eternal judgment, that that's what we are supposed to preach. But the Apostle Paul said that I can't even speak to you as spiritual. I have to speak to you as yet carnal because you need somebody to teach you again the very principles of the oracles of God. He said, I wanted to feed your meat, but you had to have milk because righteousness is the meat that is in the gospel. These are the very foundations, but if you stay in these foundations, your whole Christian life, you'll be 35, 45 in the Lord, still asking other people to feed you. That our righteousness came from God. Our full dependency in this Christian walk is on Jesus because he was the source of my right standing with God. I will never be independent from him. But as a child, you're brought to the table. 
as an adult, you come to the table. It's true. We've been invited into the presence of God. And it's not by anything that we've done. See, because sometimes God says, I want to take you here. But you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm right here right now. <laughs> I would love to come there. I would. But I'm just not there. And the reality is that we're looking for ourselves to get there. But we can't get to where He is without Him. But now that we're not without Him, Jesus said to Philip, I'm going to the Father. He said, you know where I'm going and the way you know. And Philip said, how do we know? How do we know where you're going? Philip said, well, Lord, just show us the Father and it'll be enough for all of us. I'm pretty sure the other disciples wanted to see the Father, but he was speaking for a group that didn't ask him to speak for him. So Jesus says, Philip, have I not been with you this long of a time and you still don't know me? Don't you believe that I and the Father are one? Or Jesus says to his church today, don't you believe that you, me, the Holy Spirit, and the Father are all one? We have access to everything the Father is because of Jesus. We have access to the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. I don't have all my doctrine figured out on the Holy Spirit. All I know is that He is the great Holy Spirit. All I know is in John chapter 14, Jesus said He shall be with you and in you. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I know that He's in me, but I also know He's with me. I know that I have him, but I also know that I need him. In a time of prayer this last week, I was saying to the Lord, I need you. And not only do I need you, I want you. And I was telling him, you know my heart, my relationship with you is not based upon need. It's because I want you. And I realize that my dependency is upon you. And I need you. I know the scripture where Jesus says in John chapter 15 that apart from me, you can do nothing. But the majority of our lives, we've been taught a lot about repentance. And that's the very foundation. That's the milk of the word. But right now, the Lord is trying to exercise our senses in righteousness so that we can actually discern what's good and evil. What's good for me, what's not good for me. And the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because he's good. I came to the conclusion this week that there's nothing outside of grace and mercy. I remember one time and I had fasted and I said unto the Lord in the second day, I said, Lord, I'm fasting for you. And automatically he said to me, I didn't eat your food. It came to me like that inside of me. <laughs> he said, I didn't eat your food. I said, you weren't fasting for me. He said, you're not going without food so that I can eat. He said, you're going without food so that you can hear. That's all fasting does. Fasting is a great way to kill your flesh. <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't know a better way. I don't know a better way when it comes to fasting to mold your will with the will of God. But fasting is still a tool that Christians use. But the way that I used to use fasting, I used to use it as a tool to get things from God. And I felt very spiritual during the fast. 
But there was times where I didn't even want to stop fasting because I knew that as soon as I did, it would leave. <laughs> Every time I fasted, the Lord, even though I did it in ignorance, a lot of the time in ignorance, the Lord would still add to me during that time. But the way that the majority of people fast, it just produces pride and arrogance because you're puffed up because you're looking at people who don't and all of a sudden you think they're less than you. That's why somebody can separate themselves in fasting and prayer and then what they receive in that time, whatever it is, they come out and what they paid the price for in prayer and fasting, we receive for free or revelation from the Lord. The price that the Apostle Paul paid for the revelation that he received, which was his calling to begin with, which was all the grace of God, the Apostle Paul could be burning in hell right now today if it wasn't for the grace of God because he wasn't seeking God. But the revelation that he paid the price for, we don't have to. And the church is trying to pay double to receive something that somebody else already paid for. Because everybody's trying to repay for something that someone else already paid for. And you say, well, Steve, Jesus paid it all. Yeah, he sure did. So that you could receive the kingdom of God for free. But to walk and learn to release and cooperate with the Holy Spirit takes the most precious thing that you got in its time. Val puts in what? Sometimes 20 to 30 hours in a message. Once you spend time, it's one of the greatest commodities that we have because once you invest it, you can only see a return of your investment. You can never get it back. Somebody's paying the price somewhere because it actually cost somebody something to release the kingdom. It didn't cost anybody anything to come into the kingdom. Jesus paid all that. <laughs> but learning to release the kingdom is a completely different story. Let me read you something in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He said, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And then he says, You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Have you ever heard anyone preach to you that we're all soldiers in the armies of God? Am I the only one that's ever heard that? Man, thank you, Jesus. The Lord was speaking to me as I was meditating this scripture earlier this week. And he said, the kingdom is full of citizens, but not everyone is called to be a soldier. When I heard that in my spirit, I thought, hold on, Lord. That's way off my doctrine. <laughs> I've never heard that. And I started meditating on it and I started thinking about it. And I thought, that's exactly right. And as I was looking at this, he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. And trust these to teachers. And then he says, you therefore endure hardness as a soldier 
of the Lord. Do you know that a soldier's responsibility is to protect freedom, to ensure safety for the citizens? And sometimes when you're a soldier, you can look down on people who are not. Like if you think that the body of Christ is a military, it's not. It's a kingdom. Every citizen in the kingdom was actually birthed there. If you think of citizenship in the United States, you had to be born here or you have to apply for citizenship. But in the kingdom of God, we were all born into the kingdom of God. Every one of us are citizens in the kingdom of God. And there's people that I look at their gifts and I really admire them. But there's people who have gifts and they despise other people because they don't walk in the gift that they walk in. In the military, nobody esteems the cooks as like high until you're hungry. Nobody really regards a medic until you're injured. <laughs> See, in life, if I was going to get in a real fight, I don't want Heather next to me. I don't. She's never been in a fight in her life. I want people that I actually fought alongside with. That even if we were outnumbered, nobody's running. I mean, if we go down, like the song, we go down together. But when it comes to intercession, that's the person I want. When it comes to hearing the voice of God, she's the one I want. I don't want a warrior that can go out there and fight and just take mountains and that's not what I need when I'm looking for intercession. But what I've noticed in the body of Christ is that one person who is very, very graced in an area that they start despising ministries that aren't like that. I'll use one ministry, a power ministries. Ministries that operate in great healings. They start despising the prophetic ministries. Because the power ministry don't get to see because they're not seers till after they do. <laughs> the prophetic ministry gets to see before we do. <laughs> but they're supposed to work together. See, if we realize that we received our vocation from the Lord by grace, that we have a right standing with God, and if that's the way we function, just do it the best that we know how, but don't despise our brothers who don't do what we do. Because I guaranteed you there's a time where we're going to need them. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Oh my goodness. Let's just read all of chapter 5, okay? There we go. Uh, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. It says by whom also we have access by faith. By Jesus also we have access by faith into grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in hope, rejoice with expectation to see the glory of God. And not only so, verse 3, 
But we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience. Tribulation is suffering. Tribulation could be a number of things. When we're in tribulation, it's almost like turbulence. Not everything's going smooth. But when everything's not going smooth in our life, it says that we're supposed to rejoice. It says knowing that tribulation works patience. Let me ask you, what is patience? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. When you're in times of trouble, the Holy Spirit produces patience inside of us. It's the fruit of the Spirit because patience is released into our lives when we see trouble. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would dare to die. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, much more than, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from wrath through Jesus. Doesn't say through works. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were enemies when God reconciled us. We're continually kept by the blood of Jesus. We shall be saved by his life. Saved from what? From hell? No. We're already saved from hell once we're reconciled. From what? Sin? Sin that would bring the wrath of God upon you? Yeah. We're no longer under wrath. Why? Through Him, Jesus. And when God corrects us, He corrects us with words. Praise God. He instructs us. It says in the Old Testament, I believe it was David in the book of Psalms, he said, you have possessed my innermost reins. That's inside of me. You possess the inside of me. He said, you've given me instructions and sealed them up in the night season. You ever been talking to somebody and something just comes out of your mouth and it was an answer to what they actually were asking that you weren't aware of? God made a deposit inside of you. When did he do that? I believe it was in a night season. You know that in heaven, we won't sleep. He never sleeps. There's no need to take an afternoon nap. You have life itself coursing through every part of the universe, including yourself. 
You don't have to take an afternoon nap. We dream of heaven because we know a little bit, but we haven't seen it all. But let me tell you that the people who have seen it and have had to come back with just a handful of men, none of them wanted to. None of them wanted to. And I honestly believe that when we stand before Jesus and He stands as Savior to us who are born again, that I don't believe that we're going to look at Him and tremble in this generation. I believe that we're going to look at Him and weep. Say stuff like, worthy is the Lamb. How great was His sacrifice for my sin that took away all the wrath of God that reconciled me to the Father and saved me in this life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Back up to verse 8. God commended His love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. How much more being reconciled shall we be saved by His life? And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Everything in the fifth chapter of Romans is pointing you to Jesus and Jesus alone. That He was the one who reconciled. He made the atonement. You were without strength in due time. He justified you. He saved you from the wrath of God and He still saves you in this life. Everything's pointing to Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul would say that the just shall live by faith. And he says it in the previous chapter of Romans chapter 4. And then listen what he says. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of him that was to come. So even though they didn't commit sin, they were still subject to die because sin entered into the world through one man. Through one man, many were made sinners. That's what I always say, and you've heard preached that you're not a sinner once you sin. You ever seen those shirts, born sinner? Well, yeah, you were actually. <laughs> you were born a sinner. <laughs> When you were born, that's just what you did. You don't have to teach a baby to go up to another baby six months old and try to hit him or take the rattler from him and say, no, mine. You don't have to teach a toddler that. Why? They inherited it from their father, Adam. Verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Listen to that. Not like the offense, but not as the offense. So also is the free gift. But not as the offense. This means that nobody can make you. 
You have to choose. It's beautiful, ain't it? See, because Adam made us all sinners, Jesus actually became a choice for us to be reconciled to God. For if through the offense of one man many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man. The gift, which is grace, which is by one man. Jesus Christ has abounded unto many, and, and not as it was by the one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. Did it just say free gift again? Free. Completely free. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive, listen to this, abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. According to that scripture there in verse 17, it says that you will only reign in life through righteousness, through an abundance of grace. An abundance of grace is offered to us in Christ. And it causes us to reign in life because we've been given a free gift of righteousness. If you believe that you can ruin your free gift, that means that what you did is greater than what Jesus sacrificed. Oh, such a lie. Such a lie. Our sin could diminish what Jesus did upon the cross when he said it is finished. You will never have to pay the price for sin. You don't. What if you say, Steve, I know people who are paying the price for disobedient sin right now. I know born again Christians who are paying the price. What if the price was already paid and they didn't know who they were? And because they actually yielded to a spirit of deception, they've been living beneath their privileges? What if it wasn't about paying a price? What if it was actually about not following a spirit of deception? Because the scripture says, if you see your brother overtaken in a fall, you who are spiritual should go unto him or pray for him, another scripture says. That the Lord may open his eyes to the truth and they may recover themselves out of the snare of Satan, which had been taken captive by him to do his will. It's the spirit that blinded their eyes. It's not because of sin. All sin was already put in the body of Christ. Can sin darken your understanding if it goes unnoticed for a while? It can literally kill you. You can keep following lust till you're sleeping with somebody's wife. And we know that the rage of a man won't cease when it comes to that. Was it your sin that got you killed? Or was it yielding to a spirit that wasn't from God? See, our sin got Jesus killed. We're not double paying for sin. There was one payment. Just like me and Mark were talking this morning, there's one mediator between God and man. One mediator. 
We're not mediators between God and man. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. We have received the ministry of reconciliation, but our ministry of reconciliation is pointing them to the mediator, not pointing them to sin. It's not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. It's the foundation. It's the milk of the word. There has to come a generation that embraces righteousness and runs with it. That I don't care if you just got up in the morning and did a horrible sin. You have all sorts of thoughts coming to you. That you stand up and say, I'm right with God because of Jesus. And Jesus, it's you I magnify in this situation, not what I did. Why? Because if you magnify what you did, it will leave you self-loathing. You will hate yourself. Just will. I've done it. Felt like I was broke. Even God couldn't fix me. If you ever felt like that, that's a horrible place to be in. <laughs> Such deception. It's not true. Because there's something about the love of God that compels us. It draws us. It makes me personally want more of Him. And you see, Steve, you can't get no more of God. I, I understand that. But I still want more. <laughs> I still feel like I need to know you more. Maybe that's better wording. I need to know you more. I want to know you more. See, I want to invest the time that it takes in spending with the Lord. I want to invest my life into it. Talking about knowing Him. That they can come into the place of intimacy that took me years to get there. Heather had a dream about three weeks ago. And she said in the dream, she said, I was functioning on the same level as you. And she said, you said to me, how did you get this? It took me years to get this. And she said, she, in the dream, I was activated in a moment. Why? Because somebody was willing to pay the price. Somebody was willing to go. Somebody was willing to listen. Somebody was willing to plant. And you say, Steve, well, I haven't been really willing to. You missed the whole point of my message. <laughs> if you say that to yourself, you missed the whole point. <laughs> We're not talking about your willingness. We're talking about the invitation. The invitation that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that after come to me is learn of me. For what I have to give you is light, peaceable. You'll find rest for your soul. He didn't say your spirit. He said your soul. <laughs> Why? Because he clothes us with such extravagant love and an abundance of grace, a free gift of righteousness. You know, none of us have to come behind in any good gift. And I don't think we will come behind when we value the gifts that don't seem as valuable. See, because I honestly believe I'm called to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm not scared. I don't get scared, fear, nothing. What was the worst you can do? Lock me up or kill me. I've been locked up. I only died once, so might as well get that over with. Heather, she might go into some battles with me, but she's not called to be a soldier. <laughs> She's a teacher. She's an intercessor. 
she carries the gift of prophecy. But you guys never see it because she's growing in it. Nerves play a part. Not for long, though. See, I look at Mark. I don't know if there's five-star generals, but I think you're a general. <laughs> I don't know if you're quite five stars yet, but five is the number of grace, so I'll just give it to you. <laughs> Val? I believe Val's a savage in the spirit. I just do. Uh, that's a good thing, Val. <laughs> I believe you can access heaven very, very easy. I believe you're gifted with a gift to teach, administrate. You know, I, I believe that like a... If anyone, if any of us have the ability to create what the Lord is doing inside of somebody, it's you. Because God has given you vision and understanding and wisdom. But we're all different. That's what I love about Triumph and Grace Ministries is that we complement each other so well, but we're all so different. But I think it's because there's honor here. There's honor. We can all be different, but there's such honor. And the scripture says to esteem others better than yourself. It does. I look at these guys and I think, wow, you guys are amazing. I'm not the same. Praise God, they've been able to teach me stuff that grows me in the area of what God has called me to by giving me opportunity, speaking into my life, being patient. But it's the same thing with all of us, that we're a body that functions good together because there's unity and there's love and there's understanding. And none of us are pointing, look at me, look at me, look at me. Nobody's doing that. We're saying, look at him, look at him, look at him. He's the only one worthy to behold. Like, you look at me too long, you might not like what you see. <laughs> you just might not like it. Why? Because you weren't raised like that. Maybe I answered shortly. But the reality is, is that God's with me 24 hours a day. He never left me and he still loves me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a free gift of righteousness. He's so good. I'm going to go in here in Romans chapter 3, verse 28. It says, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the circumcision through faith. And then he says in verse 31, which I never understood until a little while ago. He said, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yes, we establish the law. And I used to think that was that the Spirit gave us power to live up to the standards. Not what it means. I used to believe that. Like if you're not living up to the laws of the standard, you're not living in the Spirit, brother. <laughs> Trash. He said, rather we establish the law. The whole animal sacrifice for your sin was to make you right. It was the fulfillment of the requirement from the law. But once the sacrifice was made, the law was established that let you go free. So when it says, yes, rather we establish the law, 
the righteous requirements of the law have been fulfilled in Christ for us. It's amazing, ain't it? It's the end of the law. Because a righteousness which superseded the law, that didn't stem from the law, has supplanted the law. And took it out of the way, like it says in Colossians, and nailed it to Jesus' own cross. Why? So that we can be forever righteous. Ain't that what it says in Romans chapter 8? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness, the righteousness, the fulfillment of the law, might be fulfilled in us. The righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. So do we make void or null the law of God through faith? He said, no. Rather, we establish it. We fulfill it. It was fulfilled for us in Christ. The requirements of the law were fulfilled for us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. And then it says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you know that once you're born again, even though you do acts of the flesh, you're still walking in your spirit? Because your spirit's been born again? You're not walking in the flesh anymore. That's not your life. It's not the direction that your life is heading. That's why anyone who's been made clean only needs his hands and his feet washed. It's representing what you touch and where you walk. That's why you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And that's awesome. Innocent. Pure. That's amazing, ain't it? That we're innocent and we're pure before God. Would you consider yourself innocent right now? Or pure. I do. I do. Because it's the word that was spoken to me. That this is who you are. That helps me become how he sees me. Not what I see. Who he says I am. Not who other people say, say I am. Like if you live for the applause of men, you'll die by their criticism. You can't live for what people think of you. You can't. You have to live by what the Father says about you. You have to. It's the only place of freedom. It is. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Heather to pray a prayer of impartation that we receive what the reality of what our righteousness gave us. So will you grab the handheld and will you close us in prayer, baby? Jesus, I thank you for for today. I thank you for the word today. And I do. I am part of the realization of the righteousness that you have planted inside each and every one of us, Lord God. That you would awaken the gifts and the callings in each person, Lord Jesus. That you would open their eyes to see the value of who you made them to be. That they would rest 
in your unfailing love, that they would rest in the grace that you've freely given them, that they would know that you've given them the ability to walk in what you've called them to. And each one is created with purpose. Each one is created beautiful. And I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord God, that you would show them how to walk in what you called them to. Show them how to walk in your peace. Show them how to walk in your love. Show them how to walk in everything that you are. And I thank you for it. 